I'm Adrian Maidman. Welcome to the podcast. I'm also where we talk to people with multiple careers, pursuits, and interests. In this special international edition, I'm in Taiwan. Taiwan, officially known as the Republic of China, or if you're in a sports team, you might get called the athlete from Chinese Taipei. Taiwan is located in East Asia next to China, with Japan up a bit and the Philippines down a bit. I used to live in Taiwan, and my guest today is someone I knew from my time there. My guest is Robert Stark, an Australian who runs his own creative design studio here in Taiwan. Hello, Rob. Ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao. Tai It's more Chinese than me. Yeah, I was just testing it out, see how I go. Yeah, that's good. Because a lot of people, like myself, just smile and hope for the best in Taiwan. <laughs> Usually works, though. Generally, if you say yes to everything, you end up going, going places. Yeah. It's a bit different. Taiwan people are very friendly, and if you can get out, I found hello in Chinese, they'll go, oh, your Chinese is so good, back in English to you. It's true. But it's also when you drop something, you know, with the chopsticks, then they also say your chopstick skills are so good, so. Yeah, they, they, I wouldn't share the word lying, but they're being, they are very polite. So, uh, Rob, how did you end up in Taiwan? Well, I um, was floating around doing web design way back in 99. And then I started, and then I saw an ad in the newspaper. That, I actually, back then it was, you know, like, could you make a web page rather than a website? So anyhow, I was floating around in Auckland and then I saw an ad, make money in Taiwan teaching English. So I came and then there was the earthquake. <laughs> and then I left 10 weeks later. <laughs> oh, really? Mm. And then, but I got the bug, so I went back another time about six months later, and I settled down since then. And did you start teaching? Because that's often the, the way into Taiwan is teaching. Yeah, every, I mean, back then, you know, you got a two-month visitor visa, and that mm. would translate it, you know, so you'd have to get a job and then get a work visa. So the only way to get a work visa is pretty much through teaching. And did you, find, did you find it easy to adapt to Taiwan? Probably the first year was kind of hard. And then you start to crave things that, you know, that you'd used to do at home. So with your friends, you start to, you know, you start to say, hey, let's, let's make a touch team or, hey, let's do something. Yes, because you actually have been quite heavily involved in rugby over here, haven't you? Yeah, I like, like I love rugby. So when I first came to Taiwan, we um, were based in Taichung, so we didn't have a, so we made a touch team. And then from there, we, from the touch, we'd meet every Sunday for social touch. And then from there, we made a rugby team called the Teletubbies. And then we got to play around Taiwan. Was there, was there, many, Taiwan, was there many Taiwan rugby teams? Or was it all expats? Um, the rugby in Taiwan sort of divided into like three levels. Like there's the university teams. Yep. And they have like three comps. So often we'll play in there. Like now we play in the A comp, like there's a national Taiwan Cup. But back then we'd just play the other foreigner teams. There was like three teams back then. And also we'd play the local university in our city. And was it mainly, where were, where were the expats come from? The expats come from all over. I think like when Taiwan first, when back in 99, everyone was, a lot of people were from Canada. So, and or England and UK. But now, like top population of Taiwan, there's, much, there's like a lot of teachers from South Africa. So the rugby teams have changed. And then I also play in a Taipei team. And they have, um, 
they have players from all over the world because there's lots of kids on like international scholarships. Oh. So we've got people from PNG. And um, you, do, they, you do tour overseas as well, don't you? Yeah, we, we usually go to the Philippines twice a year for rugby. For rugby? <laughs> How does the team go? I said it's a bit social as well, isn't it? It's not like it's Well, there's a, there's we a mix. Have a, for the first tournament we play in is uh, open comp and a vets. So our open team usually gets runners-up or second in the second or third division. So, and then the vets, we made the finals this year. But we got beaten by a team from Fiji. You've actually been here long enough. You could actually represent Taiwan, couldn't you? I could, but I'm, I'm a terrible rugby player. <laughs> Just going to start on my Australian wallaby jokes, but I'll hold, I'll hold off on those since it's so early in the interview. Because <laughs> you, you did study in New Zealand, but you are Australian. We'll just clear that up. Yeah, I'm from Australia. My parents moved when I was 15, so I did my uh, sixth and seventh form in New Zealand in Hawke's Bay. So that, that was probably more of a cultural shock than Taiwan, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> coming from Brisbane. It's <laughs> fair enough. And then studied in New Zealand and then, then out of there. Yeah. Like many, so many others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how, did you like teaching in Taiwan? It took me a while to get used to because at first I was doing bushy barn, so you'd only see kids like maybe once or twice a week. Yeah. So it's hard to you know form a relationship with those kids. So but then then I switched to kindergarten. Yeah. And that was a bit better because you'd have the same kids every day. So if they were in a you know so you get to know them and they'd get to know you, so you understand each other's moods. And then eventually I moved into um, an anshin barn, which is the same kids every day. And then I taught in a, a private primary school. And that was probably my favourite because I had the same kids, two classes every day. For, yeah, it's for, very educationally focused over here, isn't it? Yeah. And like, oh, the Bushy Barn sort of after, is after school education, so the kids will go mm. like and it, eight till five at, sometimes at school, then they get Eight it. to six, it's 30. It's a bit weird because grade one and two, they finish at 12. Oh. And then at 12 o'clock, so then, of course, once, what are you going to do with your kid when they're finished at 12, like, if your parents are both working? So that's where the after-school programs and the bushy barns come in. Yeah. It's a bit different to New Zealand. I mean, yeah. when I talked to Taiwan, I explained the New Zealand education system for kids, how long they spend it. They thought I was doing a joke, and they're waiting for the punchline, and <laughs> I said everyone goes home at, you know, around three it's kind of like when you first play with the Taiwanese like university students, yeah. like a rugby, and then you know they they've just never seen that ball before, yeah. and then they they like try to baseball catch it. <laughs> <laughs> I gave a guy, I gave a guy a blood nose once because I threw a ball at him and I thought he was going to catch it, but he hadn't learned catching. Yeah, it's it's rare. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. pen and paper. Yeah. However, I think the education system now is changing quite a lot. Like it seems to be a bit more balanced. They're trying to make those changes to the system. Um, my, I have a daughter, she's five, so she's going to go in the school system next year. So it's more of a rounded list. I'm hoping it's more of a rounded approach. Does she speak English and Chinese? Yeah. she um, At home we speak English and then she Kelsey goes to uh, just like uh, Chinese like kindergarten during the day. Yeah to try and improve the Chinese. Yeah. But I think um, 
this year when she goes to school we'll be sending her to a, like a bilingual school so it'll be English and Chinese yeah they focus on people over here focus on English anyway aren't they it's a, a skill yeah I mean, I mean if you can see, yeah English is important here like yeah. for a lot of people it opens gateways to to you know other careers what was it like running a magazine in Taiwan um, it was it was interesting because I've never done it before. Yeah. We just, <laughs> of course, nobody has. We we had like three people living. You know, I had two roommates, three of us living in a house, and my roommate kept saying, "We should do a magazine. We should do a magazine." And then I think I got sick of it after a few few months, and then said, "Okay, let's do it. Let's let's work out who's going to sell the ads. Who's let's work out what's going to go on each page." And and we did it. What was the biggest challenge? For me, I think trying to get the content finished on time, as as you know, as, um, their magazine was like everyone's a volunteer, so everyone's writing articles for free. Yeah. So sort of keeping that editorial standard and having people with all different belief systems and but just trying to keep it together. I mean, that was my sort of my job was to organize the month, you know, month the schedule. Mm. And, and then, then do the design of the magazine. Yeah. I guess like you learned a lot of skills which have gone into the website yeah. business. Yeah. Well, I started off as a web designer, like way back in 96, when it was really simple. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started to do print design in Taiwan. Like I'm not, I'm not formally trained in print. So doing a magazine seemed like a good way to start. Yeah. And then, you know, and the audience is small here. It's not, you know, I think we pr printed like a, you know, 2,000 copies. And then from there, I got bored. So I decided, okay, let's make a, a weekly, a monthly bilingual magazine that's, that was free to give away that had 10,000 circulation. So I, I started that with, with some other people and we tried that for 10 months and it didn't, it didn't work, it failed. Um, but from there, you know, then I decided, okay, I'll, I'll just start my own design business. Yeah. You know, but that, that led me to meet a lot of restaurants and bars. So I started to work for, for that in, in the hospitality industry, like all over the island. So, and then I've also worked in China doing, like with bars and restaurants over there. So, but since then, I've now I've decided to move more into like corporate work. Mm as it seems to, you know, it's better pay. So you're now out of education. I do run a web design company called I Am Robert. And we focus on trying to be, make Taiwan companies more international. So your clients, are your clients local businesses or you sort of foreigners as in Westerners? I'd say like at the moment, I mean, my business have shifted over the years as I've become, you know, more experienced. Before I used to work primarily with expats, you know, but now my clients are like a multinational drug company, um, one that manufactures bicycle components, uh, one that manufactures like wheelchairs, mobility scooters, you know, and ships it all around the world. Like, and then I also work in healthcare a lot, like with doctors and try to help them achieve better ratings for their SEO. Mm. Do they? So you contact them first, or is it? A lot of my work has been always been word of mouth. 
So they know this Australian guy is doing websites in Taiwan, or is it like a shot? Who's this guy? Well, they've hit hit my website yeah. as well. I, and Asian, well, maybe Asian and Tai um, Taiwan designs a little bit different to the Western approach. Mm. But I think yeah. But often people want a Western design. You know, if their client base is Western, I'm probably you're a poster child. <laughs> or I mean, a lot of a lot of branding is is you know being in the middle is trying to meet the needs of the client and the user, yeah. or the company and the user. You know, like that's that's my sort of my job is to is to push Taiwanese companies in a different direction because often they feel like the about page should be the most important page on their website, but that's not the way that most websites work. Yeah. You know, most people don't go to the about page. They say, "What's in it for me?" Mm. So, so trying to solve those problems first, like what's in it for me, and giving valuable content is sort of more my job that I'm trying to push Taiwanese companies to do. So, how do you explain that to companies in a different language? I work with my 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 wife. She's like my translator. Yeah. So we're getting pretty pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Is But it, often it's you know these companies want to make change. Like they're being pushed by China, or they're being you know, although they used to be OEM, which means they manufactured for somebody else, and now they have their own brand. So to capture that blue space, the website can really help them. Yeah, so more of an international look with their own business. Is there a big difference between Taiwan businesses and yeah, Western businesses? Yeah, sometimes you you have to. Exp it's just different ways of looking at things. I think maybe maybe in the West the user is more important. You know, because you look at. Uber and Apple, and you know, you look at all the big brands, and you know, like there's a very big focus on design, and you know, putting the user at the center of it, like human-centered design. Whereas, say in Taiwan, that's not really a concept here yet. Or product focus. Yeah, like we'll we'll manufacture the product to to your specs, rather than thinking about, you know, how is this going to help somebody, or how how's this going to change someone's life. Yeah. It's about the end user. You know, it's like if you have a okay, okay, the Poisons Information Center in Taiwan. You know, like mobile. You know, responsive design. What's responsive design? Yeah, I was at a question. Yeah. Oh, responsive. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like a website, so it's um, mobile responsive and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. It can work on mobile, yep. right? Yep. So any User other experience? What, what, why would you think someone would want to go to the Poison Information Center website? To, to find out about them, or, and do you poisoned? think do you think that website? Yeah, probably because they're poisoned. So do you think that website should have a, a massive flash in, introduction that takes two minutes to say how wonderful they are? No, I'd be, should, I'd be looking for some answers pretty quick. Yeah, I mean it's just you know it's just not there's no there's no thought of the user here. That's often that's often the resistance I, I face. Yeah, and then trying to educate them that. You know, responsive design is the way forward. User experience. User experience, mobile first. Yes. And that's what you know. My company has been doing that since about 2012. But responsive web design's only become a trend here in about the last two years. Really. So. It's so now we're trying to, as our company, we're trying to move towards mobile first more, and I mean that's probably very common and in. in New Zealand or, mm, Austra mm, or mm. Australia or anywhere in the West yeah. is, but you know, like that's the way forward. I mean, um, and some of that may be because our old, our old browsers were, 
you know, everyone was stuck in IE, Internet Explorer 10 for forever. However, Taiwan has one of the largest mobile um, like penetration rates in the world. Like every, like it's over 90% of people have 4G like smartphones. It's, and, and it's so, everyone uses the mobile phone to buy stuff and do stuff, but it's hard to get companies to, to realize that that's the way forward for them. Mm. So they're still missing it on the user experience sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. And how, how do you balance your time then if you're, obviously you're pretty busy doing websites, dealing with clients, have you got a plan for time management? Or? Um, usually, yeah, usually I like to break, if I'm doing a website, I like to break it down into pieces. Yeah. And I always break my projects down into, you know, doing, doing done, you know, mm-hmm. make a list on the, on the, on the left hand column. And then you have, you know, what I'm working on now to give a tick and then you're done and then work on to the next one or you pause it. Do you have competitors that are Western as well? Western? Or is it mainly there's, Asian? There's competitors that are Western and there's also competitors that are Asian, but I don't see I don't see design as competitive as such. You know, it's not... If people believe in what I say and my product, then, then they buy. It's, you know, I believe that I can offer a better service at this price and if they want it, they can take it. If not... Mm. You know, find someone better. You know, like there's in Taiwan, there's designers that can be very cheap. You know, you can have a whole whole website for three years for about a thousand New Zealand dollars. Yeah. So if you try to be that in that market, you know, I can't I can't be in that market. So if people want that, that's they can choose that. They can do the Wix website. Yeah, or Wix or, but that's a WordPress website theme is for a thousand for three years so you know but that's not my company my company looks at what somebody thinks and feels and looks at their audience and looks at the words that people search to find them and then we put together a strategy to to build a website that works for them so where would you like to be in five years time business wise um i'd like to have probably Actually, I'd like to be paid to not work. That's my that's my new goal. <laughs> wow, this is my. I would like to be able to like say that I'm going to capitalize on this market, and and then compete like for SEO terms, and then they say, okay, don't compete in that market. We'll pay you not to. Yeah. That would be that would be the ideal situation like I work for a doctor on a certain condition in, in one city and then I can go work for him in another city a different doctor in a different yeah. city yeah back onto the rugby there was a tragedy in the in the Taiwan rugby community wasn't there several years ago in 2002 um, the there were two teams from Taiwan there was our Taichung team where I'm from and then there's the Taipei team who I've played with and I still play with now unfortunately my team, um, the Taichung Telecubbies, weren't in the, wasn't in the bar that night, but our, our, our brother team, the Taipei Baboons, were, and they lost five players. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, we, we, we had a lot of um, memorials, and, we, we, and the Taipei team put together a charity as that they raised a lot of money for you know, skin grafts and surgeries and stuff. So we, you know, we we met a lot of 
you know, we had a lot of famous players from around the world come to Kaios, come to Taiwan to, to talk to us and give speeches. And Eddie uh, Jones is one of those. Eddie Jones, Nick Far Jones, uh, Steve Borthwick, who's like the, def- I think he's the defence captain, a uh, defence coach of, of England. And he, he flew over when he was captain of England. All, you know, didn't, paid his own way. And, and we had Jake White, uh, just last year. So it like, continues on each year? Ooh. Yeah, so we're hoping that in June we have a, we have a Thai, uh, Taiwan tens tournament, an international one, so we have teams from all, coming from all over the world, oh, okay. all, all over Asia. And so hopefully we'll get another speaker to come, come yeah. for that. Yeah. I guess in... Um... Uh, uh, and John, John Kerwin. Oh, really? Oh, he's a top bloke. Yeah. Everyone who meets him says he's fantastic. And that's sort of, sort of, um, sort of ingrained in the team now, isn't it? Sort of the yeah, like on our sleeve, we we have you know live it. That's the slogan because one of the one of the dads when he came over for it to to know you know see his sons his sons you know like life in Taiwan. That was his last words to us before he left. Yeah. One of one of our players live it. So every time we wear our rugby jerseys, we have the word live it on our sleeves yeah. with the date of the bomb. Yeah, it was a tragedy. Yeah. And so often, yeah, if I'm thinking about, I guess, time management or life in general, then live it. Yeah. Have you got a, what would be, a, I say, a top tip for people uh, maybe just working in a different country in a different culture? Any sort of tip, top tips or advice? I think resilience. You're always going to be resilient. You're going to, you know, people are always going to knock you down. Yeah. Or so you always just got to get up and try again. Yeah. If you listen to everyone, then you'd still be teaching English in Taiwan. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting it. Mm. No, I quite enjoyed it when I was doing it, but well, it's, it's, it's tiring. It's, well, I guess because within one year of working in an English teaching job, then that's the maximum salary you can get. Yeah. So it's like you're taking opportunities, isn't it? You get more opportunities. So, so for me, I, I, li- I like, you know, I like teaching English and it's the good thing about teaching English in Taiwan is you have, you know, most people have a short working week. So a lot of people have a lot of extra hobbies, you know, like there's bands, you know, people start bands, people do writing. You know. I did stand up. Yeah, stand up, you know, like there's so people, there's lots of other groups that you can do. Yeah. And I think that's important is if you come to another country, it's just meet new people, join a team or make a team. Yeah, that's probably a good point to live on. Uh, that's probably a good point to finish on. Um, and how would you, so summing up Taiwan? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> okay, Rob, thank you for your time. Okay, cheers. Shishi. Shishi.